Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Marnie Swedberg, and I welcome you to Marnie and Friends, a place where leaders share practical, helpful, and encouraging ways to get anything important done faster, better, and smarter. Right now, I encourage you to sit back, buckle up, and join us for fun, laughter, practical help, and clear thinking, the kind of discussion that focuses our attention off of the fluff and onto the most important stuff in life. Again, welcome to Marnie's Friends. Let's get going. Hey everybody, this is Marnie Swedberg. Welcome back to another edition of Marnie's Friends, and I'm excited today to have you with us as well as our special guest, Asherita Chuchu, and we are going to be talking today about how to set God-honoring goals and resolutions. So excited to cover this information, and during the next hour, you are going to want to grab a pen and pencil or a notepad of some kind and take some notes because we're going to learn the four types of resolutions that you can make, how to tell if they're biblical, the secret of getting over past failures, six critical questions to ask yourself about your resolutions, the five-step formula for creating God-honoring resolutions, how to align your uh, resolutions with the will of God for your life, strategies to help you overcome initial setbacks in your resolutions, the two simple questions to identify your life purposes and goals, secrets to help you make smart resolutions you'll actually keep, and the number one best way to keep any resolution. This is going to be so much fun, and we are in for a special treat today with our guest, Asherita Chushu. She is a writer and speaker who grew up in Romania as a missionary kid and studied English and women's ministry at Cedarville University in Ohio. Her passion is helping women find joy in Jesus through a deeper walk with God, and she shares vulnerably from her own life experiences on www.onethingalone.com. She's married to Flavio, a web programmer and artist, and together they raise their spunky kids in Northeast Ohio. Welcome to you, Asherita. Thank you, Marnie. I'm so excited to be here. Well, and I'm excited to have you, and this is one of my favorite topics. So we are going to have so much fun during this hour, and we're just, we've got a lot of ground to cover so I just want to let people know where they can find out more about you is over at onethingalone.com. And you spell out the word one, onethingalone.com. And then I want us to just dive right in. So I am curious because I don't know how to identify four different types of resolutions. So Asherita, how do you say, what do you say are the four types of resolutions a person can actually make? Sure, yeah. So as we think about resolutions, there's, I'm, the first kind are the ones that we feel pressured to make. So we go to the doctor's office and they say, oh, you should lose weight or you should stop smoking. Um, and we say, okay, well, well I'll do that. Um, but it's really we feel pressured by other people to make those resolutions. Um, the second type are the kinds we feel like our family and friends want us to make. So yell less at the kids to decrease the tension in the home or spend more time together or, oh, my buddy wants me to run. 5k or a half marathon with her and so i should do that um the third kind of resolution is the kind that we want to make ourselves um so i want to get bikini ready for the summer i want to write a book i want my own personal goals and and dreams that i have for my life um and all three kinds of resolutions so far they're not bad per se but i think they're missing Um, the main point. I think we're missing the deeper level that we can go, and that's the fourth type of resolution, which is the kind that God wants us to make. Um, Resolutions to grow in Christ-likeness, resolutions that will actually change our life for the rest of our life and for all eternity and the lives of the people around us. And that's what I'm really passionate about, helping women um, come up and, and identify those resolutions that God wants them to make for their lives. I love that. I love that. It's so important that, you know, we can't uh, can't get all focused on things that really aren't going to matter long term. And sometimes we need to do some of those things in the moment that just don't seem big or uh, eternally significant, but they are. And the key is to have them be with God. I just, you know, the book I wrote last year is the flow through vessel, just that God would flow it through us instead of us trying to self-generate it Mm -hmm. for him in some way. Yeah, so exactly. how, do you, how do you actually tell if a resolution is biblical or not? Yeah, I think it starts in the question, um, does this glorify God? 
And uh, you might be familiar with the Westminster Catechism that says, what is the chief end of man? And that is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And I think whenever we we think about resolutions, if it doesn't start with this point of does this glorify God, we'll probably fail. Um, and the statistics aren't very encouraging um, because only 8% of people who make resolutions actually achieve them. So that means 92% of us who make a goal drop off, a quarter of us within a week, 60% of us within six months. Um, And what we see is that the average person makes the same resolution 10 times without success, Um. which is kind of discouraging. Um, because I know how many times I have sat down and said, oh, I'm going to lose weight this year. Oh, this is the year that I'm going to eat healthy. This is the year that I'm going to read through the Bible. This is the year, you know, whether it starts in January or it starts in March or, I don't know, whenever I have a crisis in my life, there's a point where I want to change my life. Um, But I'm going to fail unless it's rooted in something deeper and stronger than myself. And so I think that's where we start with biblical resolutions is asking ourselves, does this glorify God? And what I mean by that is, um, does it cultivate a love for God and a love for others in my life? Because that is the greatest commandment that Jesus identified is, is love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. <clears throat> Excuse me. So if if we start at that point, um, then that that it helps us. And it might look like losing weight. Losing weight can be a way to glorify God if the extra weight in my life keeps me from serving my family, if it keeps me from being healthy and being able to do the work that God has called me to do, if it's maybe a side effect that indicates a food addiction, that I'm running to food as an idol instead of God. So a lot of resolutions might look the same on the surface, um, but they might have a deeper meaning and a deeper significance if we start with the question, why am I doing this? Am I doing this to glorify God, or am I doing this for some other reason? So that's the first question I would start with to to determine if it's biblical. Right, and you know, pretty much everything you mentioned could be glorifying to God or not. I mean, reading through the Bible could be glorifying to God, or it could just right. be something to make us feel better about ourselves, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, or to, like to check it off on the to-do list or something. I like the right. definition of resolute. It means admirably, admirably purposeful, determined, and unwavering. You know, so a resolution is simply just saying, I purposed in my heart to do this thing. And then the idea is, you only do it if it's what God would want you to do, if it's what God's actually going to empower you to do. And a lot of times, um, for me at least, I can start down that track, and I know God's called me to do it, but then my past failures, um, you know, I, I always use the analogy of planting a seed. So you, you have the faith to start doing something, and you plant this little faith seed, and then fear or past failures or whatever, you rip it back out yourself. You actually take the seed back out of the ground yourself. You Mm -hmm. pull up that seedling and you're back where you started with nothing to show for your effort because you didn't keep watering it and keep having the faith to go forward. I think past failures sometimes are one of the biggest reasons why we don't have the courage and faith to go forward, even with a God-honoring goal. So what is a way to get past our past failures and keep moving forward? Yeah, it, that's a great point. Um, I would say start with the idea that failure is your friend. Mm-hmm. And that goes against the grain of what a lot of us have probably been raised to believe. Um, that failure is somehow um, indicative of us not being all we should be, all, all we could be. Um, but if we look at failure as our friend, we can ask ourselves, okay, why did I fail in this? If it was, for example, 
the resolution, the decision, I'm going to read the Bible more. Well, what, why did I fail? Was it an unrealistic goal? Was I trying to read three chapters a day and I, you know, I'm going from not reading anything to trying to read a whole lot? Did I have the wrong approach to this goal? Um, was I, you know, trying to do it on my own when I'm a more social person and I would thrive maybe in a community Bible reading plan? Um, or did I meet specific roadblocks? Um, you know, maybe I wanted to do it first thing in the morning, but I have a newborn baby and <laughs> there's no way for me right. to wake up right. early when I'm sleep deprived. You know, are there specific things that I'm struggling with? And I think what most of us, um, what happens is we, so we hit these roadblocks in our resolutions and our journey towards fulfilling these goals. And we just kind of throw our hands in the air and say, that's it. Obviously, I've failed. I can't do it. Um, I'll just, I'll try next time. And instead, if we would take time, I'm a big fan of a weekly evaluation of sitting down every week with my um, life goals, my mission statement for life, which is, that's where my resolutions are birthed out of that life goal and that life plan. And sitting down and saying, okay, what happened this past week? Did did I meet these goals? And if I didn't, it's okay. <laughs> Why didn't I? What did I struggle with? And how can I learn from that to avoid repeating the failure in the future? And so failure then becomes our coach towards success. Mm. <laughs> I love that word. Failure becomes a coach towards success. I always define failure, I want to always, I don't always, but I try to always define failure as feedback. Because failure mm. feels final, but failure shouldn't feel final because it's, yeah. the story's not over until the end of the last chapter. I mean, if you look at the Bible, you know, how far are we through history? We don't really know, but we know how it ends. And your life, you know, what chapter are you on? You know, if, I, if we say one chapter per year, what chapter are you on and how many chapters is your life? And this is just one Step one, one part of one chapter of your life. It doesn't have to be the whole story, and I, I love that, and I love, I love the concept of being kind to you. If you trip, if you fall, what would you do if your friend tripped or your friend fell? What would you do? Yeah. You would not say, you know, loser. <laughs> you wouldn't beat her down, right? You would help her up. And so I think, I think when we can apply those things to ourselves when we slip or when we fall, then we have a lot more potential to actually keep going and not uproot the resolution before it even gets time to get some deep roots going. Well, this is Marnie Swedberg. We're visiting today with Asherita Chushu of OneThingAlone.com. We're going to come right back and talk about the six critical questions to ask yourself about your resolutions. We'll be right back. Christian Women's Event. At womensevents.info, you can find events to attend. Learn how to plan amazing events for your group or publicize your own upcoming Christian women's events. It's all available to you at womensevents.info. Just click your state to find all the major women's events coming to your area or type in the month and year you'd like to attend an event to see all your options nationwide. It's that easy. If you want to promote an event, just click Add Event. Event publicity is available on a per-event basis or free to members. Finally, if you want to learn how to host awesome events, retreats, and well-attended conferences, click Event Planner Training. Once again, it's available a la carte or included in the membership. It's all online and here for you 24-7 anytime you have time at womensevents.info. That's www.womensevents.info. Do you lead a women's Bible study or know someone who does? Check out BibleStudyExpo.com. That's www.BibleStudyExpo.com. Here you'll meet the authors of the most recently released Bible study books for women. You'll meet Liz Curtis Higgs, Lisa DeVere, Pam Farrell, Elisa Morgan, and dozens of other Bible study book authors. Each author is given 15 minutes to share the story behind her book, her ideal audience, and a little bit about the study's format so you can decide which Bible studies you want to introduce next. It's all available to you free and online at www.biblestudyexpo.com. That's www.biblestudyexpo.com. 
Welcome back. This is Marnie, and we're excited to have you along with us this afternoon talking about how to set God-honoring goals and resolutions with our guest, Asherita Chishu of OneThingAlone.com. Asherita, let's dive right in next to the six critical questions to ask yourself about your resolutions. Yeah, so the first question is, why do I want to achieve this? Um, And I think this is where success starts, It's identifying the deeper purpose for this. So, um, for example, with wanting to lose weight, because I don't know, a lot of people want to do that. (laughs) Um, Identifying, okay, is it just that I want to lose the weight or is it that I want to be able to run around with my kids? I want to be alive when my kids graduate. I want to walk them down the aisle. I want to see my grandkids. What what is the deeper purpose that's driving you into this resolution and this goal? Because once you identify that deeper motivation, when you come up against failure, when you come up against temptation, when you feel like you just want to give up because you're not seeing progress, going back to that initial question will help you stick with it through the hard times. Mm-hmm. Um, saying no to those habits that you used to have that feel more comfortable because change is is hard. Discipline is uncomfortable. It, it We encounter resistance with our flesh when we seek to be sanctified, when we allow the Holy Spirit to work into our lives. There's a struggle there. And so we need to identify that deeper purpose if we're going to push through to see life change. So that would be the first question I ask is why do I want to achieve this? And the second question is, is this in line with my talent? Is this something that I feel God created me to do and that um, is a, a good representation of my talents or my gifts? So you'll never find me wishing to run a marathon <laughs> because it's just not its not in me. It's not who I'm wired to be. Um, but my husband wants to run a marathon, and so I'm going to cheer him on because that's part of who God created him to be Um, in that long distance um, running. He is very long suffering and patient with me. So I see a parallel there. Um, But I think it's important to identify, you know, what did God create me to be? Who did God create me to be? What does he want me to do with my life? And so I'm going to make resolutions that are in line with that to help me move forward. Um, The third question is, before we go on to the question, yeah. let me just let me just stop you right there. And this kind of goes back to that first thing that you mentioned, mm-hmm. the four types of resolutions. You know, is it something that someone else is pressuring you to do or something you mm-hmm. think would look cool, but it's not really God-ordained for you? And, you know, the, it's so important. That this is really a great question to ask is, is this god inspired or is this inspired by something I watched on TV or where did I get this idea? It's such a great yeah. question. Okay, yeah. Okay, what's the third one? Yeah, so what will I have to sacrifice to achieve mm. this? Um, I think we rarely think about that. <clears throat> but every time we add something to our plate, every every time we put something into our lives and into our schedules and agendas, it means that we have less time to devote to something else. So sitting down with, you know, if you're married, sitting down with your spouse or your kids and just being realistic about, you know, if I want to write a book, that's going to take time away from some of my other commitments. So what am I going to sacrifice? And is it going to be a specific season? If we all get on board and say, okay, for the next three months, mom is going to have to do this and dad is going to step in and do that and everyone's on board, um, then that goes into the fourth question, who will journey with me through this? Who is my support group to help me get to that finish line? Um, I think it's so important both to understand and visualize what you need to sacrifice and also with that to identify a team of people that are going to come alongside you and cheer you on and, and be there to hold you accountable and um, to give you a, a swift kick in the behind when you need it. Mm-hmm. Um, because we are created to do life in community. And so, yeah, I just think those those next two questions are so important. And then the last two kind of go with that. So when will I devote time to this? Um, sitting down and specifically 
um, thinking through, okay, if my goal or my resolution is I want to have a more clean house, um, okay, specifically, how am I going to do that and and when am I going to do that? Am I going to do that in 15 minutes every evening, a quick pickup? Am I going to do a master, like, cleaning, I don't know, spree on Saturdays? But sitting down and specifically identifying, okay, when am I going to devote time to this goal? Because if you don't set aside time for it, it's not going to happen by accident. If it was going to happen by accident, it would have happened by now. Um, <laughs> So just saying, okay, when am I going to devote time to this? It's part of the sacrifice that we need to make to achieve those goals. And then finally, how does this contribute to my life goal or my life purposes? Mm-hmm. If it doesn't move you closer to the person God created you to be, um, I don't, yeah, I don't know that if it should be a priority. It might come in a different season of life. It might be in a different way. Maybe it's not a marathon, it's a 5K um, to kind of fill that runner's need for you, but really looking at how does this contribute to who God created me to be and how God created me to serve the people around me. Hmm. So awesome. So the six questions are, why this goal? And I love that one because in the end, what we find at the very bottom of every goal is that we're actually seeking a feeling. We're seeking, like, it isn't really that we want to run a 5K, it's that we want that feeling when we cross the finish line and say, I did it, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The, you know, we have, the, we have the reward of completion. And God actually built that inside of us, but what he wants us focusing that on is his well done, my good and faithful servant. That's our true, deep bottom desire. So when we start with the why do I want to do this, it's the answer isn't because I want God's, you know, well done, my good and faithful servant, and I think this is the way... You know, I think this is the path that I'm supposed to go on, you know, re reanalyze that. And then the second one is, is this in line with my talents? Love that. Number three was, what will I have to sacrifice to achieve this? That was an excellent question we got to ask. Number four, who will support me in this? And I just wanted to remind you guys about the 21-day wins that occur every month, the group coaching session. We have so much fun in there, accountable to each other and supporting each other in just these types of things so that um, you can... You can actually get support online if you don't have support built in locally already. Number five is Mm -hmm. when will I devote time to this? And again, if you can't find the time to do it, you shouldn't devote time to it. And a book that I'm going to encourage you guys to read is called The Willpower Instinct by Kelly McGonigal. And it is so good. And she talks about how optimistic we all are. We're terribly over-optimistic. (laughs) <laughs> you really have to get reasonable. When you're going to take on a resolution, you have to say, am I really going to be able to do this? If not, how can I you know, cut it down to be more of what I want to do? And then the sixth question you had was, how does this contribute to my life purpose? And with all that now, you actually have a five-step formula for creating God-honoring resolutions. And I'm just taking notes here wildly. <laughs> so I am ready. Uh, bombs away. Five-step formula. I love formulas. <laughs> it's kind of like to me. Some people don't like them. Some people don't like them because they feel like too structured. But to me, it's like a recipe. And, I mean, if, if you told me to make something I'd never made before and you didn't tell me what was in it, I would just fumble around making multiple, trying multiple times to get it to taste right. Whereas if you give me a recipe... Mm-hmm. I take it by the recipe the first time, and then I can tweak it however works for my life after that. Exactly. I'm, I'm so excited to hear your five-step formula for creating God-honoring resolution. Yeah, so the first step is to reflect on God's character. And I think this is the one we skip mm. often. We just jump straight to what we want to do or, you know, what we want to achieve. Um, but if we go back to that original question of does this glorify God, Um, We need to know God. We need to know his character. We need to know who he is because we are called to become like Christ. That's that's the reason we were redeemed and, and saved from a life of sin is to grow into the image of Jesus Christ, and that's how we bring God honor and glory. And so I think it's important before we even start writing down specifics is to spend time really growing in our knowledge and love of God. Who is he? Mm-hmm. It, he's he's 
good. He is love. He's faithful. He's gentle. And just spending time, even, you know, if you set aside 30 minutes and say, okay, I'm going to work on resolutions right now, just spend a few minutes in prayer and reflecting on reflecting on, on God's character, praising him for who he is. That moment of adoration will set our hearts in the right place so that we can then continue with the next steps. I would just really encourage listeners to not skip this step. Sometimes it feels like, oh, that's too churchy or whatever. I'm just going to move on. Um, But I really think this is where life change starts. It's rooted in remembering who God is so that we can become like him. Absolutely. And we do miss miss it sometimes just by rushing ahead. I even think for times when, you are trying to understand a, a new direction, um, just to spend some time fasting and praying even. Set aside half a day or a day or even three days or seven days or whatever it is to just soak in Jesus before you even begin to write down what you think you're supposed to do because God already knows. I love that about serving God is that he already knows what we're supposed to do. He already knows everything that's involved and he just he. It's our job really to get quiet and to hear him, not to tell him what we mm-hmm. want to do and then ask for his blessing on it. Okay, so yeah. what is number I two? I love that. Yeah, so the next step is to confess your neediness. Um, and then you realize that, yeah, to confess your neediness. Oh, confess. Your need for God. Yeah, to confess. Yeah. Um, and a few years ago, I realized that. I had the tendency to believe that once I achieve this resolution, then my life is going to be so much better. If only I did X, then all of my problems would disappear. All, you know, the relationships would be great. Like, I think we tend to picture our lives through rosy-colored glasses. And if only we do this thing, then everything will be better. Um, and, And that's putting resolutions in the role of an idol in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and turning to a resolution, turning to our willpower, turning to the goal, turning to our dream as our savior. And the truth is that nothing can save us outside of Jesus Christ. And so mm-hmm. the, the second step after we reflect on God's character um, is to realize we can't change ourselves and our goals won't change us. Nothing will <laughs> make us better except submitting ourselves to the Holy Spirit and asking the Holy Spirit to change us. Because even self-control, so many resolutions are rooted in the discipline of self-control. We know that self-control is the fruit of the Spirit. And so that's not something I can manufacture myself. It's not something I can just come up with myself. It's something I need to submit myself to him and say, God, I need you. If if this is going to happen, you're going to have to transform my life. That first part that you said that this will not solve everything, just this morning I was um, uh, reflecting on a a goal that I have, and I I just, in my spirit, I just heard God just mention to me, (laughs) it's like you realize, Marnie, that when when you receive this, that you will receive more criticism than you have ever received over anything in your life. And it, I just had a pause and just go, oh, wow, I suppose that's true. But I hadn't really thought about that. <laughs> and so I think just to just to recognize that just because you achieve a goal or you, you complete a resolution does not mean that everything will be perfect. It simply means that you have achieved a goal or or completed a resolution. I I love that reminder Mm. because I think we do tend to bundle up all of our happiness in those things and, you know, hold on to it. And then when you get there, it's just not nearly as exciting as you thought or hoped it would be. I think people do that with financial goals all the time. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, if I make this much money, I'll be happy. Well, actually, um, that did not bring happiness. It brought money, but it didn't bring happiness. Right, because unless there's life change, you're the same person. Right on the on right. the end of that too, and so that's why yeah. what we're really going for is life transformation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, what is the third step? Yeah, the third one is to identify your life purposes and goals, and I feel like we've um, mentioned this off and on, and I just wanted to um, take a moment to say, you know, to 
identify who God created you to be. And I would say start with your role. You know, ask yourself, who am I to others? Um, I'm a wife, I'm a mom, I'm a daughter, a sister, an employee, a friend, a neighbor, and just kind of list everything on a piece of paper, all of your roles um, out there. And then I would write a second column and just consider all of the unique gifts and talents and experiences that God has given you as well. You know, ask yourself, what makes me unique? What makes me me? Because we know that God knit us together in our mother's womb, and he gifted us in unique ways to make an impact in the lives of people around us. But we get so caught up in survival mode or in these lofty dreams that we forget to root goals in specifically who God created me to be. And so just kind of listing out, you know, I maybe I'm an encourager or I'm really organized, I'm very motivated and I'm a go-getter or I'm really good at hosting people and making them feel welcomed, listening to them, compassionate, whatever it is, just listing those unique gifts and talents. And then in the third column, I would write down, um, and this is where it gets really fun, is what do I really want to do in life? You know, what are some of those pie-in-the-sky goals that you secretly dream of that you're even afraid to say what you want to do? You know, is it you want to pay off all your debt? Do you want to live debt-free for the rest of your life? Um, Or you want to write a best-selling novel. You want to live in another country. You want to invest in 100 people during your lifetime and raise them up to be the next generation's leaders. You want to raise the next president. (laughs) You know, I don't know, just go wild and have fun with this and imagine what God could do with your life. And once you have everything on paper in those three columns, um, you go through and you identify the most important things on that list. Um, And looking at that, you'll start to see overlap. You'll start to see where your, your roles and your gifts and your dreams overlap. And that's how you start to kind of see rising to the surface. This is who God created me to be. This is how my unique talents and dreams and roles intersect to leave an imprint on my my family's life, on the people around me, and on on eternity. So really, um, you know, that next step is to really sit down and see, okay, who did God create me to be in life, and what did he create me to do? Love that. And you guys, too, this was so great what you just shared, Asherita, Um, super place to start that you guys can just do right away today. Also over at Marnie.com, just put on the front page um, the the upcoming mission vision training and to just encourage you, if you haven't gone through that or if you need a, a refresher, it's a two-hour course and it is just so helpful to, again, just to identify, you know, God created you uniquely. I always say when God strung together your three billion base pair of DNA, he did it in a particular way. We need you, God needs you to be fully you, to be aware of why you're here on earth and busy about God's work and and understanding your life purposes and goals, your vision and mission, why you're here, why you're on earth now. These are important things for you and um, just really love that. And it's so important for making God-honoring resolutions that you actually are clear about that. Okay, what's number four? Yeah, so number four is list smart steps to achieve your goals. Um, And by that I mean too often we're really vague in, you know, what we want to do, but really breaking it down specifically um, what it will take to get us there. And we'll talk about that under secrets to help us make smart resolutions, but that is an important part of this formula. And then fifth step is seeking accountability and encouragement. And I just can't say enough about the importance of this step. You know, we talked a little bit earlier about getting your family on board and getting together a team of people who will support you. But we can't do it alone. (laughs) We we need other people um, to speak truth into our lives, to encourage us when we feel like we want to give up, um, to run alongside us during the hard seasons and, and just be there doing life with us. Because no one will achieve success or greatness on their own. Um, I was listening to a message Beth Moore gave the other day, and um, she made this point that 
if you achieve your God-given potential, if you actually blossom into the person that God created you to be, you will never be able to say, I did this on my own. You will always have people to point to to say, well, this person invested in me. Well, this person took down a sick. Time, took time to sit down with me. Well, this person watched my kids while I was out doing this. Um, and I think it's just such a beautiful testament to the body of Christ that we have each other and that we have the ability to come together and really invest in each other's lives so that we see, we see each other become the men and women of God that God created us to be. Because too often with resolutions, we just think about ourselves what I want to do, what I want to achieve. Um, But when we have this bigger vision of, okay, who can come alongside me to help me, and then who can I come alongside and help as well, it just becomes such a beautiful, beautiful picture. Hmm. So cool. One of my business mentors, Linda Lopez, told me one time to think about my life as if it was a, you know, major movie production and how at the end Mm. of the production of my life there would scroll down all of these people who had all of these major and minor roles in making the production of my life possible. And, of course, the the main one would be the producer guy. But at the same time, there were all these people that he had recruited to make it possible for me to live this life. And it's so important for us to recognize that God loves body life. That's how he likes to do things. And so we should not become a rock or an island unto ourselves, but recognize that God loves us to reach out and tap into the resources he's put around us. Liz and Marnie yeah. Sledberg, we're visiting today with Asherita Tuchu of the onethingalone.com. Onethingalone.com. We're going to come back and talk about how to align your resolutions with the will of God and some strategies to help you overcome initial setbacks when you get going. We'll be right back. Womenspeakers.com is the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, featuring over 1,700 women speakers from every experience level, denomination, and fee range, some near you. Visit Womenspeakers.com to find the perfect speaker for your next event or to get training to be a speaker, author, or media personality. All training and connections occur online anytime you have time. Find a speaker, add a speaker, or become a speaker at www.womenspeakers.com. Online training, instant access, increase your skills in the minutes you have. Right now at womenspeakers.com, you can take it to the next level with online training including specific instructions, tips, and strategies to increase your knowledge, skill sets, and earning potential as an author, speaker, media guest, manager, women's ministry leader, or event planner. Pick your area of interest and get going today. The training sets at womenspeakers.com include over 24 modules, each 60 minutes long, focusing on practical, doable, and easy-to-implement next steps in your particular field of interest. You can purchase each set individually or join to gain instant and ongoing access to them all for one low price. Get online training today at womenspeakers.com. That's www.womenspeakers.com. Welcome back. This is Marnie, and I welcome you to this session on how to set God-honoring goals and resolutions with our special guest from onethingalone.com, Asherita Tuchu. Asherita, let's talk about aligning our resolutions with the will of God for our lives. And we have talked a little bit about this already but maybe okay. just come back around and um and, and pull this into pull this into something that we can really sink our teeth into. Yeah, so we talked about, you know, listing your roles and your gifts and talents, experiences, your dreams and all of that. I think it all comes together in writing a mission statement for your life and looking at that mission statement within the greater picture of who God calls us to be. Um, because when we I think sometimes we think about the will of God in these um, nebulous terms. Like it's something we need to search for and then we'll just happen upon it. And ta-da, here's this written out plan of what God wants for our lives. You know, who are we supposed to marry? What job are we supposed to have? Where are we supposed to live? Like we kind of, I think sometimes we look at it almost like a treasure hunt. 
um, and we wait to find the right answer. And what I found in Scripture and what I found to be true um, is that more often than not, it's a process of surrender um, without having the whole plan laid out for you. So just taking one step at a time and moving in obedience on what you know to be true, what God has shown you to do right now, like obeying in the next step. Um, And so an example for that, um, for my life, for example, in one of my priorities as a wife, as a wife, um, I write down part of my mission statement is I want to be a wife who cheers her husband on and enables him to achieve his God-given potential using my gift of encouragement. Um, And that aligns with God's will for my life because, A, I'm married. (laughs) And so I want to address that part of my life. I want to be intentional in that relationship. Um, I believe that God created men and women to work together and to encourage one another in marriage. And so that part of cheering my husband on and and really supporting him and who God created him to be as well, um, pouring into him encouragement. I know that's in line with the will of God because that's revealed in Scripture. But making it personal and writing it down in a statement that says, I will be this wife, this is who I want to be, um, helps me then out of that mission statement make resolutions. And so a resolution for me this year um, was to go to sleep earlier because I'm a night owl. Um, I tend to do my best work at night, and he's not. (laughs) And what we found is because of that discrepancy, we weren't getting to spend much time together um, or to connect. And so as we sat down, I realized, you know, praying through it, I said, Lord, Show me when, show me where. Again, it it comes back to that process of um, confessing our need (laughs) for God to work. And part of that is saying, Lord, give me wisdom. Show me how to become this wife that you want me to be. Show me your your will in this area of my life. And so one of the specific things for me was to go to bed by 10 p.m. so that we have a few minutes to connect at the end of the night so I can listen and I can hear, and I can encourage, and I can speak life-giving words into his life. And so my resolution is rooted in who God called me to be. It glorifies God because that brings God pleasure and and glory when we speak life into each other and we support one another. Um, And it's also very specific for me. So I I know, you know, every day I know whether I did it or not, (laughs) you know, whether I was able to do that or not. And so I think that's just a specific way to look at, you know, am I aligning my resolutions with the will of God for my life, going through that process of, again, listing the roles that we have, the gifts, the talents, the dreams that we have, um, and then asking for the Holy Spirit's wisdom specifically, okay, how do I flesh this out in my life, comparing it with Scripture and seeing, okay, does Scripture say anything about this as well? And then it kind of evaluating it evaluating it every so often and saying, okay, how am I doing? Am, am I moving forward on this or not? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, sometimes when you start doing something different like that, like if you're used to going to bed late or you're used to having a bedtime snack and you're not going to do that now or whatever it is that you're changing, um, a lot of times you have some initial kickback from your uh, from your subconscious mind that says, no, 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 I've always done it that way. I want to keep doing it that way. So how do you get past that um, initial initial kind of um, want to return to the old status quo? Yeah, again, I think it's um, identifying even that um, feeling or that resistance as a friend Um, instead of saying, I mean, another example I could give is if you want to become an early riser, you want to you know, start getting up early in the morning to get more stuff done before you're off to work or before the kids wake up. Um, that snooze button is just so tempting. And the bed is warmest right before you need to get out of bed. Um, and so instead of saying, oh, you know, obviously that means I shouldn't be doing this new habit or this new resolution or this new goal, um, looking at it and saying, you know, that resistance indicates that I'm on the right path. 
because discipline will be uncomfortable. I think if you talk to, um, you know, any world-class athlete who has won medals and has competed on a world level, they'll tell you that there was resistance every step of the way to train their bodies to... um, to do what they've set their minds to. And so I think part of what helps us rein in that resistance and use it for our advantage is to identify, okay, what is the same? Um, so, for example, with waking up early in the morning, if I don't want to get out of bed, is it my body telling me that I'm not getting enough rest? And, again, it's it's looking at that as our friend. What What is this resistance resistance communicating to me. Do I need to go to bed earlier so I can get up earlier? Um, is it, you know, telling me that I have unex- unrealistic expectations? Am I expecting to go from, you know, waking up at 7 a.m. to waking up at 5 a.m. and feeling just as bright and perky and cheerful <laughs> as I would otherwise? Maybe that's an unrealistic expectation that I have. You know, or maybe there are um, some stumbling blocks that we have along the way um, that we can learn from and and just kind of grow in that moment of resistance. I think it comes back to actually being intentional to think about what is this communicating, what is this saying, instead of throwing in the towel and saying, uh, well, obviously, because I'm I'm coming up against this setback or this resistance that means I should give up instead of saying, okay, maybe there's some changes I need to make. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I love the I love the phrase non resistant persistence because a lot of times what happens is that when we get that kickback, we kick back at it. We push back hard and that is not the way to get past it. We have to embrace the kickback and say, okay, this is really happening to me. This is really where I'm at right now. So how, and I like to to think of water coming down the side of a mountain. Um, It's going to get down the side of the mountain. It's going to go under, over, around, or whatever uh, to get past the obstacles and get down the side of the mountain. But it's not necessarily going to move the boulder out of the way. It's maybe just going to go around the boulder. And so that's kind of how we have to be, too, especially when we're starting a new habit or a new a resolution. We just have to say, okay, I'm just going to see if there's some other way or some little tweak that I can make to make this work instead of just throwing mm-hmm. in the whole thing or instead of really trying to make it something it can't be. Um, I liked your one about, too, you know, did, did I have an unrealistic expectation? How could I change my expectations to match my reality now to make it work? So... Let's go ahead because we're running out of time here, and I want to get through these other ones too. You have actually two simple questions to help us identify our life purposes and goals. So what are those? Yeah, so I hinted at these earlier. Um, The first one is, who do I want to be? Um, And I was actually referring to, um, was it Dr. Stanley last week? We were talking about businesses and becoming people of character, and that more and more it's not – necessarily, you know, who do you want to be when you grow up, but also what do you want to, I'm sorry, it's not what do you want to do when you grow up, it's who do you want to be when you grow up, and I think that's an important question to ask ourselves, and that's rooted in um, our, our greater life purpose, who do I want to be at the end of my life, and the second question is, what do I want to do by the end of my life, and this sounds a little morbid to some people, but I find it really helpful to picture my funeral um, because I think that helps put things in perspective. You know, Solomon says that it's better to be in a house of mourning than it is to be in a house of cheer because it helps your heart gain perspective. And so kind of picturing our funeral and saying, how do I want to be remembered? What do I want people to say about me? Do I want them to say that, oh, she was always so put together. She always achieved her goals. She always had, you know, everything right in its place and um, just did these amazing things performance-wise. Or do I want them to say, you know, she's a person that really took time to listen when I had something on my heart. 
she's the one who I knew I could go to and ask for prayer, and I knew she would actually pray, and she would follow up with me mm-hmm. and ask me what happened. Like, just specifically picturing what are the things I want people to say about me, and then incorporating those into our goals. I, I find that really helpful to think through those questions. Think through your funeral. Write your eulogy. <laughs> I have to tell you that I, I do that most nights when I crawl into bed. I actually... I actually lay on my back and I cross my arms and I pretend I'm in my coffin and then I'm like, okay, God, how was it with me today? Because, you know, I just, I firmly mm. believe that at some point I'm going to be in front of Jesus and he's going to either say, well done, my good and faithful servant or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I figure the best time to check in on that is every single day and just say, you know, how is it with me today? And what I want to hear, of course, is well done, my good and faithful servant, go to sleep. But some nights, that's not what I hear. Some nights I hear, you know, there's a few things we need to talk about before you go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> but it is. But I, I agree with you that it's so important to just keep your head in the game instead of just la, 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 everything's great and wonderful, yeah. and I'm not paying attention at all to where I'm offending mm-hmm. God or where I'm really dropping the ball here. So... Um, I, th- I think it's critically important. You actually have some secrets to help us make SMART resolutions. And, of course, SMART is uh, a, an acronym that a lot of us are familiar with. So go ahead and go through that. Yeah, sure. So the S stands for specific. Um, and just using the example of quiet time for a newborn mom because that's a lot of my friends are in that season. So instead of um, that mom saying, you know, I want to have more quiet time, that's a, a vague resolution that will most likely fall in that category of 92% of people who don't who don't <laughs> succeed at that. So coming up with a specific goal. So instead of quiet time, saying something like, I want to spend 15 minutes in prayer and reading the Bible. Um, identifying specifically, okay, what is it I want to do? The M stands for measurable. So not something like, you know, I want to read the Bible more but saying, I'm going to read one chapter of the Bible every day or a verse of the Bible every day, or I'm going to be part of this community Bible study and go through um, the book of Colossians together over the next six weeks. Something that you can measure and look at. And um, like I said, with my going to bed at 10 p.m., at the end of the day or at the end of the week, I can look back and say, okay, did I do this or did I not? Um, The A, of course, stands for attainable. Um, (laughs) So specific, measurable, and attainable. Um, Not something like, oh, I'm going to read the Bible in a month. Um, Although, you know, I've seen 60-day challenges and things like that, and more power to you. Um, But make it something that is attainable and realistic for you. You know, read little chunks of the Bible at a time. There's no um, special medal for getting through the Bible the fastest. Um, And sometimes, actually, I think it's better for us to take more time to soak in the truths of Scripture um, rather than speeding through them. And the realistic, you know, don't expect to wake up at 5 a.m. if you have a newborn baby, Um, but rather think about, okay, I'm going to have quiet time when my baby nurses or when my baby naps. Um, Make it something that realistically you can stick with. And then the timely um, is the T, an acronym SMART. Um, I think sometimes we make resolutions and we think, okay, I'm, this is the first day of the rest of my life. I'm going to do this every day for the rest of my life. Um, but there's something that happens in our brains when we do that. And when we encounter resistance, like we talked about, we feel like, oh, no, I can't do this for the rest of my life. But if we say, okay, I'm going to do this for the next six weeks, I'm just going to try it for a period of time, and then I can evaluate after that time if this is something I want to continue or not. I found personally that um, placing that time frame on my resolutions actually helps me be more successful because I say, okay, well, I, I can do anything for six weeks. You know, it's not going to kill me. And then more likely than not, then the six weeks you've established a habit and then you can decide, okay, this is something I want to move on and, and continue. Hmm. I love it. And usually for for um, 
most types of goals and resolutions, the SMART, the Specific, Measurable, Attainable, Realistic, and Timely acronym is just perfect. I had kind of a funny experience this last week I want to tell you about. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was going through I was going through a three-ring binder from 2012, and I was taking out some of the stuff that I was going to get rid of out of it. And I had in my hand, at one point I had in my hand, a picture of a landscape map of Kenya, Africa, and I had, for some reason, which I can't remember now, for some reason I had put a black box around the city of Nairobi, and I had at that time printed out some pages of associations and networks for women's entrepreneurs in Kenya. Now, I have to tell you that I don't have one of these for all the countries in the world or anything like that, but um, I I had this in my hand for Kenya, and I just burst out laughing because now in 2016, I will be going to Kenya. I will be speaking at a Christian women's conference as well as at two business women's conference in Nairobi and Kitali in Kenya, Mm. Africa this year. But this was from my file in 2012, and I forgot I even had it in there. So when God puts a little seed in your heart, it's not necessarily that you have to get it done in the next 60 days or something. Just go Mm -hmm. ahead and let him orchestrate his plans through your heart, through your... It, it took a while for, probably for me to even see myself in Kenya. <laughs> you yeah. know, he probably couldn't take me right from idea to um, to action at that point. But but I had taken enough action to print that out and to actually research yeah. someone's women's entrepreneurial organizations when the idea came to my head, and then I had totally forgotten about it, Ashrita, which was so interesting. So just know right. um, all of these things... They are unique to you, unique the way God created you, unique to God's time for your life. All of this is based on God's plan for your life and not on you orchestrating everything. It's it's all based on God. You have one last thought for us. It's the number one best way to keep any resolution. What's that? It's simply saying this thing every day to the Lord, and it's saying, here I am. Um, just those three little words, I think, have the power to change mm-hmm. your life. Um, it's just, here I am, Lord. Um, surrendering our lives to Him. Because a lot of what we talked about is, yeah, this, these are things we want to do. Um, but ultimately, God created us. God placed us here with a purpose. And when we look at the people who shaped Israel's history, the history of the Bible, um, at critical junctures in Israel's history as a nation, we find people, we find God searching for people to use. Um, And there's a verse in scripture that says the eyes of the Lord um, seek to and fro looking for people who are steadfast in him. Um, And I was thinking about that, you know, God looked for someone to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt. And when he went to Moses, even though Moses was a criminal and he was hiding out in the desert, (laughs) trying to keep a low profile, um, he said, here I am. And God used him to bring thousands of people out of the most powerful nation of the world at that time. Um, And he became so close and intimate with the Lord that God would speak to him face to face as to a friend, and it starts from that attitude of, here I am, Lord. We see the same thing with Samuel, when the nation goes from being a theocracy ruled by God to monarchy ruled by kings and kingdoms, and that's such a critical point in Israel's history, and God looks for someone, and Samuel says, here I am. Same thing with Isaiah, when the people go into exile. Um, God says, who will I send? Isaiah says, here I am. And then we see that with Mary when Jesus Christ enters the world and Mary's response is, I am the Lord's servant, here I am. And so that is what God wants from us. He's looking for people to use. He's looking for people to change history. And he's looking for people to say, here I am, Lord. Do what you want with my life. Wow, so beautiful, Ashley. This hour has flown by, and it's been so fun to have you here today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Marnie, for having me. This has been so much fun. Yeah, it's been great, and you sure shared a lot of great content. At this time, you guys, if you want to go out and learn more about Ashrita, you can check out her website, onethingalone.com. 
That's spelled out one O N E one thing alone dot com. And our guest today has been Ash Rita Chuchu. All right, thanks you guys. We will see you next time, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Bye bye. <laughs>